One used to be more than once an atheist If separation of church and prostate isn't what you think is best They're here to guide your way Cause talking about sex can be scary They're just two gals whose kink is being your missionary Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Sup, sluts. Welcome to the Missionary Podcast. I'm Sadie. I'm Maddie. And this is our mission. Hi. We're here. We're here. We're queer. We're here. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be your new ringtone when you call me, not the one that I have now. Which is so good. (laughs) Which is just a clip of Kim Cattrall. For those of you who haven't seen this... (laughs) She's scatting at home to unwind with her husband. This is the early 2000s. You Kim Cattrall is Samantha, Samantha in Sex in the City. I'm going to text you right now. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me turn it on so that people can hear. <laughs> She's at home scatting with her husband. If you haven't seen this, look it up. And now when Maddie texts me, it makes this sound, which is a clip of her scatting. <laughs> anyway, really so good. Anyway. that's your text tone, but your ringtone could be... We're here, we're queer, we're here. Is that what you did? That is what I did. Maddie, do you know what we're talking about today? We're talking about group sex. We're talking about polyamory. We're talking about polygamy. Mm -hmm. The moment you've all been (laughs) waiting for. This topic makes me nervous for just multiple reasons. There's one, I happen to know someone who's in the swinger scene in Salt Lake. So I have some first-hand account stories. I love that there is a swinger scene. It's big. It's really big. And two, I happen to be related to many a polygamist, actually, in my family tree. I don't have the... I tried to look up the names, and I don't have the access that I need to get into that, but um, but they're in there, honey. So it makes me nervous, because I feel like this is, like, weirdly, I'm too close to it. Well, we're going to tread lightly. Even though I'm not at all, but, you know... We're going to respect boundaries. <laughs> We're going to just be generally respectful. Even though it's like if you brought up the topic of group sex or polyamory, I feel like I have so much to learn. Polyamory sounds cool and hip, like wide leg jeans. Well, it's very progressive. Yeah. And polygamy sounds scary and oppressive. Well, I just want to say before we go any further, there's no cool or uncool when it comes to monogamy versus polyamory and you know what that's the truth there is no cool or uncool when it comes to your sexual preferences like we talked about in the virginity episode there are people who choose not to have a sexual debut until much later in their life or with Mm -hmm. a particular partner do we have the definitions yes i I do actually have them in front of me The short answer, the difference between polyamory, is the act of having an intimate relationship with more than one person at the same time. Polyamorous person might have or might be open to having multiple romantic partners. Polygamy, on the other hand, involves being married to multiple partners. Polyamorous people can be married and have partners outside of their marriage. However, polygamy exclusively describes relationships where people are married. Mm. Polyandry and polygyny are both forms of polygamy. In other words, they involve marriage, too. Interesting. Okay, so, so it's marriage. Yeah, there's just a marriage contract that's involved. But, in. I, I mean, polygamy definitely has the connotation of 
a male being married to multiple females. Well, polygamy in its polygamy is one man, multiple women. Polyandry is one woman, multiple men. Got it. So it literally right. is. It's yes. not a connotation. It's yeah. And then I guess polygamy. Definition. I'm just gonna deduce is a combo of the two. Hot. Hot. <laughs> Super hot. So the Mormon history, and this is what like you as a young Mormon, you are regularly greeted with. How many moms do you have? Regularly? <laughs> yeah, that was a common wow. joke. People would be like, hey, oh, it's a nice joke. to meet you. How many moms do you have? Oh, yeah. No, sorry. This it's isn't like, like a cultural greeting. No. <laughs> that was like a common joke in high school. I'd meet people and they'd be like, oh, nice to meet you. How many moms do you have? And I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> So polygamy is very much like a sensitive, sensey subject. Polygamy is like an older... Yeah, okay. So polygamy was instated, and then it was banned. So Mormons started getting arrested or threatened with not being able to, like, create statehood because, um, as Utah wanted to join the Union, Western ideals plus U.S. law equals no polygamy. And so the church publicly disbanded it, but then secretly kind of practiced it for a little while but then it really faded out in the early 1900s. Like, it was gone. And those who practiced it moved to Mexico to avoid U.S. law. So there's some, like, Mormon colonies still in Mexico. After the early 1900s, there were break-off groups who kind of claimed Mormon heritage, but they were called fundamental LDS. I, growing up as Mormon, they were a cult. We never even associated with them. They were an embarrassment to us that they even used our name. It was like... There was no connection. There was no fundam. It wasn't. Didn't feel like oh, this group was the true group. It was like we're the true group, and these guys are crazy and like took our, took our name and some of our stuff. LDS so can- is Latter Day Saints, right? Yes. Okay. So we're LDS, and this group is FLDS, as in fundamental. And those people include Warren Jeffs, who's a famous bad guy famous bad guy. He's been in jail for a little while, but they practice. It's like a bastardized version of Mormonism. They use. Same kind of temples, same kind of garments, same kind of... Like, all the big, serious, sacred words, they use it, but they do, they do something entirely different with it. Anyway, so Mormons, because that's... If you've ever seen anything about the FLDS church, it's, like, terrifying and dark and whew, very dark. So we always disassociate from that. We're like, that's not us. That's very different. So our history of polygamy is, like, fun and lighthearted. We were crossing the plains... Men went to war. Women had kids and needed husbands. So Brigham Young was a really nice guy. And he was like, you can be with me. Very altruistic. Yeah. We also learned that peop- the saints who were asked to, to, to do it, so you like those early saints who crossed the plains, some were asked to practice polygamy by the prophets. So in this case, it would be Joseph Smith and then Brigham Young. And those who were asked to do it resisted and hated it. And it was like... This isn't for me. I don't want to do it. Both me and my wife don't want to. And it was this big act of faith to, like, take another wife and help populate the group. So what happens... So we've we've talked a lot about marriage in the church mm-hmm. and about the implications of that for after you die. What happens if... It, with polygamy? So polygamy... That's another reason why polygamy was practiced. is because a f- female in the church, cannot get to the highest level of heaven without being attached to a priesthood holder. Mm-hmm. I could make a lot of faces about that, but we'll move on. 
so to get into the highest level of heaven, you need a priesthood holder. And so that's why polygamy was also good because all these women that were crossing the plains needed needed to be attached. They needed a guide, an they, escort. They needed to get into heaven. So it was kind of like, you know, add, add my name onto your list and then take me to heaven. So in the next life, those marriages still are, are honored. Got it. And actually today, that is the way that the church still practices polygamy. Let me explain. So from 12 to 18, you go to girls camp in the summer. Well, sure. We've talked about this. I'm sure I've referenced girls camp at some point. And sorry, just girls camp. Girls camp. Yeah. (laughs) It's a blast, by the way. I think I would still want to go. I hated girls camp. (laughs) So you go and you do outdoor activities and then spiritual activities and, and the like. And I remember staying up late. And we were stargazing with like my cabin or whatever we were, just having deep combos and talking about urban legends as you do at 13, right? And the conversation goes towards our future husbands, again, as one does. All of us were like, man, I really hope that if I die young, my husband doesn't get remarried because I really don't want to be a plural wife in the next life. A plural wife. Yeah, that's another way of saying like a polygamous family. Because men can get remarried after death, like widowers, and take multiple wives still. So in the next life, they are practicing polygamy. What about the women? Not, it does not. No. So if your husband dies? Then you can get remarried civilly, but they're not allowed to like be with you in the next life. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine these harems of <sighs> angry, surprised women. Like women crossing over and being like, the fuck? He took another wife. And you know what I envision for the next Hmm. life of the Mormon people? Mm -hmm. The women fight back and it's a matriarchal (laughs) afterlife. All the plural wives get together and are like, wait a minute, we outnumber them. And it becomes first wives club. It literally is, it'd be a bunch of first wives. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the bare, bare bones. There's a lot of information about polygamy now because of the internet. And so the church tried to get in front of it and they put out this essay about it. And we've talked about the gospel topics essays and this was one of them. And they were, they kind of outline in very soft, soft watercolor what the early practice of polygamy looked like. It says things like Joseph Smith took a wife of nearly 15 and you're like, wait a minute. Okay. So, so that's 14. 14. <laughs> Okay. First of all. Yeah. There's a lot of... Second of all, is 15 that much better than 14? (laughs) Okay, but hold on a second. If the whole purpose of these men taking multiple wives was to help them because they... And to produce children in Zion. It's like, do you really need to be taking a 14-year-old wife? Does she... Are we really worried for... No. And what's crazy is like... In Joseph's restoration of the gospel, that time period that he was building the church and like receiving revelation and translating things and doing doing all that and setting up the church. So he's basically telling everyone, I'm restoring it to what it once was. So a lot of stuff is going to look old and biblical. So he had angels come to him, I think only four times. It was like for the initial restoration of the Book of Mormon, 
he had an angel come with uh, when he restored the different levels of the priesthood, and then he had an angel come and threaten him with a sword that said, "You need to practice polygamy." Oh yeah, Get same. To it. No, that happened to me. <laughs> that happened to me too. So the angel with the sword is the most aggressive of the angels, I would say, and he probably was, <laughs> he was the one that was like, "You better, you better open up your relationship with your wife." And so imagine wow. going imagine going to your wife and being like, I don't want to. You think I want to be sleeping with other women? The angel had a sword. Imagine being the wife who believed him. No, so she didn't. She was not down. And it had that's why the angel had to carry a sword. It's like such a fuckboy tactic. Sorry. Yeah. To go to like a young woman and be like, listen, I don't want to marry you. But if you don't marry me, I'm going to get destroyed by an angel with a sword. Part of me is like I'm impressed because I definitely love to play it cool in my relationships and I've never once thought like, listen, I don't yeah. really care about you, but like this guy yeah. with a sword. Yeah. And there's a verse that says you need the first wife's consent to take another wife. But what if she's dead? Well, there's a loophole that says if the first wife doesn't give her consent, you can also just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm coming to you for your permission, but I don't need your permission. That doesn't sound so much like a loophole. I think we're in like a history state right now. Does this feel? Do you feel? I'm I'm like fascinated. understood quite a bit. Yeah. So this started around 1830-ish. I think it was officially stopped. There was an official manifesto in 1890, but then it kept going in secret until like 1904. So it was secretive on both ends mm -hmm. and quoted biblically as like, hey, so many people in the Bible have done this. But if you look back at any of those, a lot of those people were not in God's good graces. I have a question. Mm -hmm. I want to sort of take it back to the swinging. I'm just thinking about everything we've talked about. The sanctity of marriage, the waiting to mm -hmm. have sex until marriage. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of just kind of sounds like once you're married, the rules completely change. What are the rules in the church about having sex with other people besides the person you're married to or swinging? And like, is it different for the men and the women? The rules officially are you only have sex with the person you're married to. And if this is for love and for bonding and for pleasure, but also for creation. So creation is your like tent pole of mm -hmm. the act of sex. So all of those things to say, they're meant for your spouse. Hence why polygamy was introduced because in the confines of marriage, you can't be procreating with anyone else or fornicating with anyone else. So polygamy made it so that you could. You could grow the church base. If you're a man. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 What's the logic behind, like, the fact that there's swinging communities? And are they... Is it, like, a sin technique? Like, is it frowned upon? What's the... Is it, like, a dry hump situation? No, it's definitely a sin. Definitely not allowed. But very pervasive. I think it... If I were to shrink the entire state of Utah, if I were to just analyze them. As <laughs> Not do. make them smaller. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> I think it is a classic case of what is suppressed will explode. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... Well, it's also, it's like... <laughs> 
the obsession with sex. You know, you find couples getting into ruts or wanting to explore, and because it's a couple's activity, you're not necessarily cheating. Mm. It's it can it can seem healthy, right? You're like, well, we're exploring something together, and it's also with like a lot of families in your in your community. There are couples all over very LDS neighborhoods like Draper, Sandy, Oliver Salt Lake. I mean, I just want to say like I understand why people would want to swing. Yeah. Like I'm all about that. I yeah. just it's just fascinating to me the like selectiveness. It seems to me like because there's so few avenues for healthy exploration, they become this underground occasionally unhealthy scenario so like a lot of it in utah is like mm-hmm. there's a lot of riskiness that goes on because it's so underground mm-hmm. because everything is so suppressed mm-hmm. so i actually know shocker the suppression leads to problematic behavior yes <laughs> in such a in such an intense way and the person i know who's involved in this it there are a lot of urban legends about people putting like a certain color of lawn chair in their front yard or having lawn gnomes that are all kind of symbols of like this house is a swingers house I love that there's all sorts of stuff like that and so my friend when they started her and her husband got into this lifestyle because it is like a lifestyle and you have to set up boundaries and couples decide like you never text an individual. No individual texts an individual. It's only group texting, which is mm-hmm. funny to me too. So my brain is like group sex is terrifying. There's group sexting, which is hilarious, I think. I want to see I want to so, see that so bad. So you have a lot of people participating in like a group sext. So if you have any kind of tension in your marriage, it will bring that up. And again, this is a thing that scares me because I'm like, I am a, are you a monogamous person? I don't know. I don't, I don't like take anything off the table. I've never been in an open relationship or been in a polyamorous situation, but I kind of feel like my ideal relationship is an open relationship. Ideal? Yeah, because Explain. I love making out with strangers. Okay. I mean, who, who knows? You don't know until you're like trying it out, but I just feel like the concept of monogamy sounds a little suffocating to me. I also recently have sort of changed my outlook on the concept of marriage and partnership Mm -hmm. Um, just because I feel like as I'm getting older and as I'm seeing my parents age, I am thinking about marriage as more of a companionship, more of a true partnership to take care of each other and mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. <laughs> as simple as just have someone to like go to things with mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to support you through hard things yeah. and you know they help you fill the DVR with all your favorite shows yeah HGTV food network I love that you started with HGTV well because it's a very DVR network you know what I mean totally um <laughs> but I I feel like the romance the sex all of that stuff is actually climbing down the ladder for me in terms of importance in a monogamous relationship 
therefore I feel like I would care more about if I was in an open relationship or being polyamorous with someone if they had a deep emotional connection with someone else Mm -hmm. because to me I actually don't think of sex and like physical intimacy as that big of a deal so I feel like if you're needing to have sex or hook up with other people but I trust you and we have ground rules and Mm -hmm. we have decided what we want to disclose and what we don't and we can communicate healthily about it yeah and I know that at the end of the day if I were you know if I needed you you were there for me yeah in a very practical and emotional way that to me is yeah is why I feel like monogamy doesn't sound it sounds like kind of arbitrary the whole concept of it to me it's their preferences and they're both the equal amount of work and when i think about an open relationship i'm like holy shit do you have to have your ego in line your rules Mm -hmm. in line your communication in line to make it work where everyone is like okay i'm feeling heard and filled Mm -hmm. and all the things monogamy is the same way you would like to be long-term partnered with a man i assume we've talked about this yeah, yeah, but again, nothing's off nothing the fucking table. table. But if a man were to be like, yeah, I love you a lot, and I'm going to be comfortable with you having sleepovers with other men, mm-hmm. like that requires a lot on their end and your end to yeah. make just your transaction comfortable, yeah. let alone them going, hey, I'm spending the night at so-and-so's house, who you know and who I've been like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like there's so much stuff that has to be working that it just seems more unknown whereas like monogamy is the devil we kind of know and it's like clearly not perfect i i agree with you i think monogamy hard monogamy is a recipe for disaster i sometimes feel like the option being completely off the table makes it more intense it also it depends on what your fucking baggage is like my baggage i feel a lot more baggage surrounding feeling trapped and feeling like oh my god like I have to commit to this for the rest of my life like that that gives makes me start sweating so whichever one feels like more work definitely depends on where where your stuff is yep I am remembering one particular threesome I had with a guy that I had been consistently hooking up with who was in an open marriage and we had a threesome with someone else Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking okay this is first of all like maybe my ideal scenario for a group (laughs) sex situation because I'm not invested in this person at all Uh but I like know what he likes and he knows what I like and it feels like a sexy thing that we're doing with each other it's like safe and familiar but also totally wild yeah and the reason I bring that up is because this this guy in particular as well, I, I got the impression that his relationship with his wife was fantastic and that they were both on the exact same page and they had their ground rules and he... Even when in our interactions with each other, I could, I could feel his respect for his wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 
beautiful. What I a beautiful just, thing. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just imagine that if they're if they weren't in an open marriage, their relationship would have been a lot worse. Or over, maybe. Or over, yeah. yeah. So, I do think part of my openness to an open relationship not only has to do with the people I've known who were in open relationships and seeing how well it's worked for them, but also feeling like I have been able to be in group sex situations with people that I felt close to that I didn't and in those situations I wasn't threatened by the other people in the room which I think was telling about how I would feel about that kind of thing granted if you were in a situation where there was like commitment between you and another person yeah I've talked about my friends growing up and my my high school sex positive group yeah blah 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 you went to high school at Burning Man yeah so I also spent my teenage hormonal years in my friend's basement like making out with everyone you know like rotating Ooh. and spinning the bottle and like whipping out our privates and like celebrating it and just like wait, being all wait a minute like flashing each other type situation or like I I feel like I walked around shirtless a lot like okay. everyone I feel like everyone I know has seen my naked chest I don't know it was just, it innocent or was it sexy both Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, and we, we used to just kiss each other and that's so funny. And just like rotate. I actually tried to play spin the bottle in college many times, and it would just turn into me spinning a bottle and then making out with whoever it landed on, and then me going back and spinning the bottle again. <laughs> and one time it landed on the door to the apartment and I opened the door and there was a guy who was like going into his apartment next door and I was like listen if you'd like to make out that's what's that's what's happening and he was like okay <laughs> see that's fun it's so fun and that's the thing I would never want to let go like yes I'm now a 30 year old woman I'm not yeah. in college anymore mm-hmm. but I want to always have the option of opening the door and making out with the stranger going into his apartment next door. I want yeah. that option. I don't ever want that off the table. And I I think for some people, just having the option is enough. Well, I also think part of this too <laughs> probably so comes from the fact that I don't identify as 100% straight. Yeah. And so the idea of being monogamous with someone has, you know, sexual orientation and gender yeah. Yeah. implications. Well, let me just quote Honey Boo Boo real quick, mm-hmm. as I like to do every day. Everyone's a little gay. Literally. Everyone's a little gay. That applies to me as well. I think it's nice to just have the option. Truly, also, if I, if the opportunity pre- presented itself to get a bukkakied by, like, all of the men I find hottest, like, I would take it no well, matter what my relationship status. I feel the word bukkake in my <laughs> spine. When people say bukkake, my, my, the back of my neck goes, oh, as it should. As it should. I agree with you. I think, I mean, about this. The bukkake in particular. Well, <laughs> about the bukkake, um, which is usually what I like to call salad dressing. Anytime I get oh, to use a salad no! dressing. <laughs> that gave me the shivers in my spine. Well, now you know how it feels. This is my personal take on it. Obviously, do whatever everyone wants. But it seems like we as humans have 
decided that we're going to be with one person but if you look at the statistics it's never really worked there's this like glorification of you know make relationships great again and they've always been crazy well look at joseph i mean he was messy honey that was like four terrible episodes of Bachelor Bachelorette combined. Honestly, we should all take a page out of the Big Brother book because they have more marriages than the Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. We glorify this old monogamy, and the history and like facts don't really support it. We kind of naturally are people who have like three important relationships really in a lifetime. And instead of solidifying all of those with paperwork you could also just have them or you could have a virgin version of monogamy that allows different important relationships to float in and out which would be like an open relationship or you allow your monogamous relationship to transform listen to that one ted talk who is it esther perel she says Mm -hmm. most americans will have two to three marriages in their lifetime statistically you get to decide if they're with the same person or not. That's her, like, mic drop quote. She's such an icon. Yeah. I, I love her so much. So I think there's truth to that of, like, if you want to be with this one person, you have to realize you're going to have to reinvent. You're going to have to go full Madonna and just go from like a prayer to... That one, yeah, thank you. So we could cut that out, but we can leave it Probably shouldn't. Okay. Because love will not keep you together as much as Captain and Tennille wants to make us think. It doesn't work. And now I sound really cynical, but I feel very confident in what I'm saying. Well, I actually don't think it's cynical at all. I okay. think it's, 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 you're not saying that like love doesn't matter. You're just saying that other things also matter. Oh yeah. In a big way. Yeah. Especially if you're going to be signing paperwork. Yeah. I have a Mormon question about. Yeah. So there are swinging communities, but then are there also people who engage in open marriages and they do it separately? Because I know the whole thing about swinging is that they're doing it as a couple. So that's when couples fall apart. It's from what I can tell from like the stuff I've read online is the second couples start swinging solo, it's infidelity. And people do actually get excommunicated for this. So you can get excommunicated. for swinging. No, you you do. Because it's a form of infidelity. Do you know any people that have been excommunicated or that for this reason or who do who I know engage in that I know people who have been excommunicated for infidelity Mm. but it wasn't necessarily an official open relationship Mm -hmm. but yeah you get excommunicated it's also the excommunication process is wild you know how there's there's regular courts and military courts and then there's like this is another form of court so it's like a religious court. You kind of like semi-represented and you present your facts and your case, which is basically sometimes very personal, very intimate, very intense. And then they decide as a group of your peers, <laughs> you get to Nightmare. keep your membership in the church and your standing in the church. So when you get excommunicated, your baptism is basically null and void. So you have to go through everything all over again. Are there ever instances where men will have sex with a woman and then they'll have to scramble to he'll have to scramble to marry her after the fact or is it usually like it only happens in the case of death so it happens spiritually just not physically now if they were to have an extramarital affair it would be infidelity and they would either be 
sanctioned in some way in the church or excommunicated. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's every, all of this is no bueno. It's just interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that the history is kind of full circle where you have such suppression in this group where there's always been suppression. And initially polygamy was instated because of, like I said, like the population, like there was a small group of pioneers crossing the plains and losing people all the time. It's also crossed over with the time period of the Civil War. And so they're establishing new colonies in different parts along their way to Utah. Before they got to Utah, they stopped in different areas. So they were purposely trying to grow the population. Now they, they don't, it's not necessary. And also Mormons are trying to pride themselves on being law-abiding and, you know, that's in our past. That's very much in our past. I grew up thinking it was really cut, clean cut. Now knowing the actual history, how muddy it was, all the fuckboy language, that definitely changed. Not the impetus for me leaving the church, but this particular topic. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was so nervous in the beginning. It really was yeah. like a reason I was like, okay, I have to look at my my faith really critically. There's a church phrase that is really pervasive and it's just prophets are just men. Like they're just men. They're very they're in it's that's not the exact phrase I'm butchering it right now. But it's the idea that is like they're imperfect. They're imperfect yeah. people. They're imperfect men. I allow space for them to be imperfect. But when I started to see the connection to doctrine that I valued and also after you spend years being an apologist and you're like, no 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 we're not anti-black or anti-gay or polygamous we're this 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 and this to have the church kind of be like well so here's the thing like the concept of the prophets being imperfect is 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 nice but i can see how that's another form of like manipulation because it's like okay we can excuse the actions of these imperfect men but also these imperfect men one after another after another after another after another are the basis of this entire faith yeah because it really does go one after the other for me in the stuff that i've looked at right i definitely want to leave space for people who have somehow worked it out in their own mind people really mm-hmm. do dismiss it i was on the side of like but all of them have like a big chunk of really yeah. problematic stuff right you can only excuse so much yeah before you start to really take a hard look at it. Yeah. Do we have a segment, Sadie, for the for the end? Instead of men are from Mars, women are from Venus, it's going to be men are microwaves, women are ovens, and we'll talk about the things we've cooked. <laughs> <laughs> this title is, of course, inspired by the OBGYNs at BYU describing foreplay to my friends for the first time before they got married. And I just want to say... <laughs> I, that neither of us subscribe to the binary, but it's for <laughs> yes. the sake of the segment. It's for the sake of the segment and the history of the binary. Mm. We're, we're, we're not living in a vacuum quite yet. Okay. What have you been cooking lately? What have, I cooked pretty good salmon the other day, but I overcooked it, and that's, it's, that's pretty brutal. I made a croissant chicken salad sandwich, which I... It's a nostalgic food from going to bridal showers because that was like a bridal shower food because if you go to Costco, you get the bag, the box of, you can get chicken salad and you can get croissants and it's like a $20 expense. You can feed 40 people. So anyway, I made that because I, you know, happened to just have one of each. That sounds really delicious. Yeah.
That sounds way that better. And than was Mormon. That's a Mormon time. Yeah, I love that. Well, Mine I'm... was overcooked fish, which is sometimes <laughs> what my vagina smells like on a bad day. <laughs> this segment was perfect. <laughs> We're done. I just want to say goodbye, everybody. I'm really sorry about the last segment. This is my official apology. And refreshments will be served in the cultural hall. Now go touch yourselves. <laughs> Bye. The Missionary Podcast is hosted by Sadie Blasucci and Madeline Sharton. And produced by Shannon Egan. Original music by Madeline Sharton. Please like, follow, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Missionary Podcast or visit our website, missionarypodcast.org. That's right, we're an org. <laughs>